Hello everyone and welcome to the Pilot Life Podcast, your go-to series about all things aviation, giving you the best insight possible. I am your host, Ray Maldonado. Let's get started. The Jump Seat. Welcome everybody to The Jump Seat, the segment of the show where I like to talk about stories and past experience that I have been through. Today we're talking about when I started flying. I started flying back in 2012 after several years of not even thinking about aviation as a career. But there I was in high school, a senior, about to graduate in a few months. And I had to figure out what I was going to do for the rest of my life pretty quickly. That's when I realized that I was actually extremely disappointed in myself. How could I forget about the goal, the dream? How could I forget all about flying? Not to say that as a child and as a teenager, I didn't even think about aviation, but it wasn't on the forefront of my mind to become a pilot anymore. That thought just totally slipped. And it's not just any pilot, an airline pilot. Once I did a little research, I was confident where I wanted to go and how I was going to achieve this goal of mine. ASU. Arizona State University. I did a little research and turns out they had a flight program. So, what I do? I emailed them, asked for them to give me more information, and it turns out they sent me a whole packet full of stuff. Really convincing stuff, too. I think, if, if I remember correctly, it had a hat, had a pen that actually had wings that folded out. And if you're an aviation geek or nerd, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Something that captures you that you're like, okay, this is actually pretty cool. <laughs> so it all got me on the hook. And I was convinced this is where I'm going to go. And this is where I'm going to become a pilot. This is how I'm going to do it. Until I saw the sticker price. <laughs> of The sticker price of that four-year tuition. And the best part about that price is it didn't even include the cost of the flight training. The flight training was another astronomical number, totally separate. Now, keep in mind, at this time, I was only 17, okay? So, any kind of money with a comma or, okay, even with two zeros afterwards, I thought was a lot of money. So, the idea of me going to this prestige high-end university was shot down real fast. (laughs) Or so I thought. Okay? But I wasn't going to let that stop me. So that was out of the equation. Fine. Great. So I started to Google local flight schools near me. And there was only about two or three, if I remember correctly, in that search result. Not many. To give you guys some background on myself, I was born in El Paso, Texas. West Texas, okay? And out there, I was born and raised, and until I graduated college, I moved away with my first grown-up job out of school. Growing up out there in West Texas, there wasn't a whole lot of aviation. Not like you see in other places. Like, for instance, South Florida, SoCal area, or even North Texas. Now, back to my Google search. With two or three results, I started making phone calls, trying to see who I could get a hold of that could give me more information about becoming a pilot. And you guessed it, 
the very first one that answered my call and returned it, I was hooked. Thankfully, it turned out to be a great place that really guided me in the right direction. Joe's of Flight School. If you guys are local to El Paso area, go check them out. Joe's Flight School will set you up on the right foot and really give you a strong foundation to start off your pilot training. So, it took me much longer than I wanted to actually earn my private pilot's license. And yes, I did say license. I know the FAA took that away, and now it's only considered a certificate. But we all know saying certificate sounds much better than license. Right, of course. I mean, it's abbreviated in PPL, Private Pilot's License. But anyway, so for those of you that are rolling and turning over thinking, oh my god, how many times is this guy going to say it? It is what it is. That's the way I grew up around it, okay? Anyway, it took me much longer than I really wanted. And at the same time, as I was attending flight school, I was a full-time college student. And not to forget, I also had a part-time job because I needed to fund that flying So my time was well occupied between studying for school or studying for aviation or going to work. And then, oh yeah, maybe a social life too. (laughs) So the total time that it took me was just over three years to be exact for my private pilot's license. Yes, it was much longer than I ever wanted. And honestly, when you have such a large gap like that, it makes it really tough. But to be completely honest, I'm glad it took me as much time as it did. Because in those three years that it took me to complete my private pilot's license, I learned so much. A lot of lessons that I knew going forward, I was going to be able to apply to either save me time or more importantly, money. I really think of that time as getting my, my private as my foundation. It was the foundation. It was the place where I really built... A strong network and foundation really set me up for success with my other ratings. I'll I'll explain, okay? After college, I moved from El Paso to the DFW Metroplex. I had my first job out of college and started working. While working, I tried not to lose focus of the real goal, aviation and becoming a pilot. Most big corporations out there, I'm not saying all, but most of them, They try to feed you this stuff of our way is the best way of life. To an extent, they may be right. But for me, an office job, 9 to 5, staying inside all day, wasn't going to cut it. Because when I did have an office job and a desk job, every day I sat there, I watched the clock count down to the moments that I could leave for the airport. After moving around a few jobs, I found the perfect opportunity for my aviation growth. And what I mean by the perfect opportunity is a job that pays well enough to give you time off. Okay? One that pays you a good amount of money. Okay? But not so much that you can't leave. On the flip side, it's enough money for you to keep you to stay to support yourself and to support your expensive hobby but one that gives you plenty of free time, but also respects your personal time. 
when I finally had just enough money to start my flight training, the key here is not to run out of money. I did not go to a big aviation school. I found a local mom and pop school and I enrolled. But before I enrolled at the very first flight school, I learned my lessons from the previous time. I went to a couple different ones, and if anybody here is familiar with the DFW area, there is several flight schools there. Out in that area, there is at least, I believe last time I counted, around 10 to 12 if it hasn't grown already. So I went to several of them. I interviewed each and every one, okay? I went in as if I was a brand new person into aviation. I didn't have my license. I didn't know what I was doing, and I just wanted to see the way they treated me. The way they were going to walk me through everything, explain to me the cost, explain to me the process, because that really says a lot about the flight school, especially if they're rude. If they're rude, it's probably not the best place to be. So after I interviewed which one I was going to go to, I found it. And it was a small mom and pop flight school that I enrolled myself into. At this point, I had every dollar planned out and budgeted up until my CFI. I had enough to get through my CFI, but it was going to be tight, okay? Doing that, I was able to complete four of my ratings in one year. Almost five. I was very, very close. Although, unfortunately, the Aztec, the multi-engine airplane that I was training in, kept breaking for every reason you could think of, okay? Okay. But it's not just the aircraft. It was plagued with many, many other things as well. So the order that I completed my ratings was as follows, okay? Now to stress, this is my opinion and this is what worked for me. Now what works for you may be totally different. And honestly, there really is no right or wrong way of this process. It really comes down to the time and the money. All right, with that being said, my training, of course, started with my private pilot license, just like everybody else, PPL. And really, this is a license to learn, and my God, did I learn a lot. You realize that when you have less than 100 hours, less than really 300 hours, you really don't know much, <laughs> and that's okay because the whole point is it gives you just enough so you go out and you learn and you gain experience, okay? So next up was my instrument rating, probably one of the more challenging ones that I did. Instrument flying is a whole new world, and it gives you a different perspective of what professional flying is like, and that's where I had the, steep, the steepest learning curve possible. Because everything when you're doing your private pilot's license is VFR, visual flight conditions, right? Visual flight rules. You're looking outside. And, I mean, that's the way you're taught. And then now to go to your instrument license, the instrument world, you have your instructor telling you to look inside. And you never, rarely do you look outside. So it's almost a full-on 180, okay? So... Once my instrument rating was out of the way, next came my commercial pilot's license. Now, don't be fooled. Just because it's in the title commercial, commercial pilot's license, does not mean you're going to get paid once you have it. 
once you only have maybe only a couple hundred hours of flight time, the harsh reality is nobody's going to hire you for a jet job. The problem is you're still very, very low time. And when you're low time, that means you don't have experience. And what do people always want? Experience, no matter what. Okay? So, to my knowledge right now, there's only really two jobs that you could do with low time. And I'm talking less than 300 hours of flight time. Pipeline and being a flight instructor. Everything else requires several hundred, if not thousands of hours of flight hours, okay? So, don't be thinking, oh, I'm just going to go get my commercial license and I'm all set. Takes a little bit more work than that. So, just as I got my commercial license, okay, I started to almost run out of money. I got close to the end of my funds. So, this is where I started thinking, okay, what could I do to get myself over that hump? So, I found a part-time job. And what better part-time job than working line service at the flight school I was currently training? In doing so, I was able to network, line up a job, and make just enough money so I could finish up my flight instructor license. Okay? So I was there refueling airplanes every day, moving them around, you know, marshalling them in, helping out at the desk with that extra income. Granted, it wasn't much, but it was just enough to get me over the hump. Okay? Certified flight instructor complete. My bank account was all tapped up. I was done, and rightfully so. Then started the vicious cycle all over again. Because as I started flight instructing, I started making a little bit of money. And that little bit of money, I started stashing it away. As I saved that away for my next rating, instrument, flight, instructor, instrument. Once all that was knocked down and completed, what did I do? I saved up some more money. Now, granted, the CFI compared to the CFII, there wasn't a very large bump right there. You know, it's not like the initial cost of your uh, your CFI. It's a little bit less when you're going on for your when you're going to the instrument flight instructor, because that is just an add-on. So it's not as steep of a cost as your very first one. So once I knocked out the instrument flight instructor, I was getting ready to start my multi-training. Okay, and if you think Single engine flying is expensive and costly. Take a look at multi-engine, okay? Because this part of my aviation journey really dragged on. It was plagued with all kind of weather issues, aircraft issues, examiner issues. If you can name it, it probably happened to me. Once finally everything lined up just right, I was able to complete my multi-engine commercial. Only after that was I even able to start my multi-engine instructor. You see, so each rating always feeds off of the other. That's how I always approach this. One to feed into the other, to feed into the other, so they just grow and grow and grow. So, here I was now going for my MEI, multi-engine instructor. And during the time, it really seemed impossible. 
Again, I kept being plagued with issue after issue. Nothing was going my way, but I didn't want that to stop me, and I was not going to quit. Granted, the multi-engine instructor license was actually not necessary. I didn't absolutely need it to fly jets or to get a professional flying job. I, you don't need it. It's not required. But it was something that I aspired to complete. So, if you recall, less than 1% of the world are pilots, okay? Not all pilots are instructors, and even fewer have their CFII, instrument instructor, and even fewer have their MEI, multi-engine instructor. So my mind was set to complete these ratings. I wanted that MEI. My mind was set. I wasn't going to let it pass me up. So, when it comes to career goals and growth, I always competed with myself, never others. But I realized that if I competed with myself, I was able to grow and be the best possible version of myself. And in doing so, I could achieve anything that I wanted to. And for that reason... I always stressed to me, to myself, compete with yourself. To emphasize on this even more, when I was flight instructing, okay, I already had my MEI, I had all my flight instructor licenses, I was hungry and I wanted more. Now, this was during the time of COVID, so nobody was hiring, everything got a little slow, and aviation got just a touch stagnant, because everybody was waiting for the upside. Everybody was waiting for companies to start hiring again, okay? So, morale was pretty low. (laughs) People weren't very excited that they were going to be stuck flight instructing. Me, on the other hand, I thought of it as, it is what it is. Flight instructing was such a huge development in myself as a pilot. I am fortunate it happened the way it did. And going back to what I was emphasizing on, competing with myself, I completed my ATP license while I was flight instructing. Because there was nothing else I could get except the ATP. Although... I got my ATP license in a Cessna 172. You heard that right. A Cessna 172, I completed my ATP license. The same aircraft that somebody starting their very first day of flight training would do it in. Airline Transport Pilot. Thank you for listening. That completes part one of When I Started Flying. Again, if you have any questions at all about what you heard today, send me an email at thepilotslifepodcast at gmail.com. Talk to you guys on the next one.